Hi, everyone. This is Alicia Halliday from the Autism Science Foundation. Welcome to the weekly ASF Science Podcast. People with autism are not the only group who have challenges getting and keeping a job. There's a long history of employment challenges across disabilities, including anything from an intellectual disability to multiple sclerosis to other physical disabilities like injuries or brain damage. There have been greater strides in accommodating physical disabilities than psychiatric disabilities, that's for sure, but there's reason to hope that things are moving in the right direction. One thing that seems to be persistent across psychiatric issues and employment is the role of cognitive function. This is seen anywhere from diseases like multiple sclerosis, which I just mentioned, to things like schizophrenia. Cognitive ability or disability seems to be a pervading factor in helping provide supports for disabled people. But with autism, it's far more complicated than cognitive abilities. Are there physical limitations? And what are the other challenges? The social challenges involved in autism make employment interactions particularly problematic. Are the challenges related to cognitive function or is there something more? What role do environmental supports play? Essentially, how do these challenges in getting and keeping a job map onto different areas of functioning? If we categorize them, maybe we can solve them more efficiently. That's what a new study in autism research aimed to do, and I'll disclose that I was an author on this study because ASF helped organize some of the stakeholder groups that provided data for the analysis. But I promise you, others on the studies, including Melissa Black from Curtin University in Australia, really did the work. Now, if you want to know the challenges of autistic people, just ask them or ask their family members, their caregivers, or other people in their lives that see them every day. Hell, ask the employers themselves. In this recent study, the authors did ask people about their experiences in a qualitative way. That means it was more open-ended. Tell us how you feel. There's another report coming out in the future that includes quantitative measures. How much do you feel about particular ideas? And it has more concrete data. But this included about a half a dozen people with autism, caretakers, employers, family members, each in Sweden, Australia, and the United States. The meeting in the U.S. that collected feedback for this study was done in October of 2017. First, I want to introduce you to Melissa Black, lead author on the study who did all the work or supervised the work. I wanted you to meet her and also get a sense of why she feels this topic is important. I'm an occupational therapist by background, so supporting people to participate in their daily life and engage in occupations that are meaningful to them uh, is always something that I've been passionate about. Uh, I also know from my own experience how important having a job is and how much it contributes to my own personal independence uh, and social and mental well-being. I've also been fortunate enough to know and work with autistic individuals, as have a lot of the others involved in this work. So we've really seen firsthand uh, the strengths and the abilities that autistic individuals can bring to the workplace. So knowing the strengths of autistic individuals, I think employers and companies are really missing out on what autistic employees can bring to the workplace and can contribute to their teams. So I think from that perspective, doing research that can hopefully be used to support people to use their strengths and gain employment uh, is really important. So I've been really lucky to have the opportunity to, to work on this project. Also, when I say ask autistic people about employment, how did that work and what does that mean? She explains here. So we wanted to gather a broad and comprehensive understanding of all the different viewpoints relating to employment for autistic individuals. 
So to do this, we conducted uh, small focus groups, interviews and community consultations with the range of people who are involved in the employment of autistic individuals. So this included autistic adults, their families, employers, researchers and service providers. So we did this because autistic individuals and the broader community are the experts in their own experiences. So we really wanted our research to be guided by these perspectives. So for us, it was really important to go out and actually listen to the voices uh, of autistic individuals and these other key stakeholders uh, on what they think is important to employment. Uh, so by going out and gathering these small groups in the community, we had the opportunity to listen to and learn from autistic individuals and these other key stakeholders to understand what the employment landscape is actually like for autistic individuals um, and the range of different viewpoints uh, on employment and what is important. Now, why was it important to collect information in different countries? Why not just focus on one country and get more people from that country? So on the surface, the US, Australia and Sweden have many cultural similarities um, in that we're all Western countries. We all rank above the global average when it comes to things like income and health, well-being, education, uh, housing, civic engagement uh, and so on. But when you look at things like employment policies and disability policies, uh, we're very different. So, for example, Sweden's disability policy has very strong employer obligations. Uh, they provide universal, comprehensive and accessible benefits um, and provide employment and vocational rehabilitation programs. Uh, while in Australia, we still do have strong incentives for employment um, and largely universal and accessible benefits. Um, our benefits are lower and our thresholds are higher than those in Sweden. Uh, and this is compared to the USA, where the US is considered to have some of the lowest benefits um, and more restrictive eligibility criteria. So when we start looking at the different um, employment and disability policies of these three countries, we can see that the environment um, surrounding employment um, of autistic individuals is quite different. So we know that the environment, including the social and economic context that surrounds an individual, uh, can have very significant effects on how an individual participates in their day-to-day -day life. Uh, so for us, we really wanted to understand how the environment might be influencing uh, the employment of autistic individuals across these three countries. At these meetings, the following questions were asked and then the answers were transcribed and categorized according to the International Classification of Functioning, or ICF. Not ability or disability, just what areas of functioning were affected. This could include things like body functions, activities and participation, environment, and personal factors. The questions were, number one, what's most important in preparing people with autism for the workplace? Number two, what is most important in helping people with autism successfully gain employment? Number three, what are the difficulties and challenges that people with autism experience in gaining employment? Number four, what's the most important thing in helping autistic adults maintain employment? Number five, in your experience, what are the difficulties and challenges that autistic people experience in maintaining employment? And number six, what are the benefits of having people with autism in the workplace? Now, let me throw out an example. Say someone said this, quote, my colleagues talk about their kids and then they ask if I have children. They talk about these things during breaks and it develops into small talk, which I find to be extremely boring. That is how you have to manage it. Once you get home, you can meet your friends and talk about things that you're interested in. This would fall under activities and participation, particularly under the communication domain. That's it. 
not swing in one way or another, just how this feeling, perspective, opinion, or experience affected different areas of functioning. So across the three countries and the many, many, many quotes across the multiple questions, they actually found that most of what the participants said mapped to activities and participation and environment. I asked Dr. Black what she felt the take-home messages were from the study, and this is how she responded. Based on our findings, we show that autistic individuals do have many strengths and characteristics that can be very valuable to the workplace. Uh, A lot of the responses we got from the community and people like employers and clinicians is that while we need to acknowledge that each individual person is obviously unique, um, autistic individuals often have specific skills or interests that they're really passionate about and that they can bring to the workplace, uh, as well as generally being very loyal and reliable employees. Uh, As part of this, a really important factor um, that we identified as being important for employing autistic individuals uh, was to make sure that their strengths are utilised and that there's a good fit between the individual and the job. Um, Another important finding was that while some difficulties were noted by the participants, for example, in areas like communication or navigating workplace relationships, we found that the vast majority of these difficulties can be overcome with the right environmental supports. So things like improving the understanding of autism in the workplace, uh, reducing stigma, providing workplace adjustments, um, and a supportive team were really important to a successful employment experience for autistic individuals. So in summary, we suggest that based on our findings and from the perspectives of autistic adults and other key stakeholders, um, that we need a paradigm shift which moves the focus away from the autistic individual uh, and instead focuses on how the environment can be made um, more accommodating and supportive um, for autistic individuals in the workplace. One of the things that keeps coming up over and over again is the idea of matching skills and interests to job requirements. This is, of course, consistent with the need to better mold the environment to the person rather the person to the environment, which is what Dr. Black just mentioned. Now, I wish I could say that matching skills and interests would solve it all. It certainly comes up as an important factor in many different investigations and many reports meant to improve employment outcomes. By the way, matching skills and interests are just one of the many things that autistic individuals, employers, and family members identified and said were important. Not the only one, and I don't think anyone is saying it's the most important one, but it's an important point and it shouldn't be ignored, but it kind of needs to be carefully considered. A commentary by Yal Goldfarb's group in Israel made an important point. Just matching skills and interests is insufficient. You can't rely on matching skills and interests to materialize into a reality. That's what I wish for everyone's employment is to match skills and interests, but that doesn't always happen 100%. It's unrealistic to expect that every person is going to find the perfect job and not treat it like a job. It's a job. There are going to be things you love and you hate. There is something that we all try to avoid talking about when it comes to autism, but it's called the labor market. And there may not be enough jobs that require the same skills and interests that autistic people have in their geographical area with the right job hours. We can try, but at the end of the day, we are all trying to pay bills, and that includes employers. As advocates for employment, we have to at least be aware of this and adjust our expectations accordingly. This is consistent with the idea of taking a more environmental approach to help people with autism gain and keep a job. The authors of this commentary actually back up their statement with some psychological theory, which I'll grossly and inadequately summarize for you here. 
They say that in essence, special skills in autism may in fact not be an employable skill. And even if they were an employable skill, if you had to do the same thing every day, would it still be enjoyable? So for example, if the interest was lining things up and the job was to say, pack or organize things in a room, would this no longer be enjoyable? Would lining things up now turn into a job and not something that people enjoyed? Does this special or restrictive interest relieve stress as many people with autism say it does? And is it now causing stress because it's part of a job? Does it take the fun out of lining things up for a person? And then what would be that outlet if you took that away? There's simply not enough real data because there hasn't been enough research on how to match special skills and interests with job requirements and how special skills and interests can be molded into a job and what the longer term outcome is of that in people with autism. It sounds great, don't get me wrong, but please show me the data. Another idea along these lines is that instead of matching skills and interests in the job itself, maybe employers should create some sort of haven where special skills and interests can be expressed in different ways on the job, but maybe not necessarily be part of their employable hours. If people like to flap, let's let's let them flap and give them the space to do it. If they love to play with dolls but work at a drugstore, let them take dolls to work. Don't necessarily make them work in a toy store all day. The authors point out something called self-determination theory of motivation. This theory puts motivation into two buckets, intrinsic and extrinsic. Intrinsic work motivation is engagement in work primarily for its own sake because the work itself is satisfying and it gives the individual the opportunity to express personal interests. I'm going to say I'm lucky enough to have a job that provides intrinsic motivation and for that I'm grateful and thankful and recognize this every day. Just like any job, it's not perfect and there are things that I do not find intrinsically motivating in my job guess what? People need to earn a living, so they need an extrinsic motivation in their job. In the case of employment, it's called money and health insurance. Self-determined behavior involves acting with a sense of desire and having an experience of choice. In contrast, controlled behavior involves acting with a sense of pure obligation and pressure. This self-determined model suggests that there is a continuum of motivation on which several types of motivation act by the extent of feeling choice and self-determination guiding those choices. At one end is intrinsic motivation considered to be present at the highest level of self-determined behavior, and the other end is amotivation, which means no intention to act, in other words, lack self-determination. There is a continuum of this, and as everything, you need to find moderation and find the middle ground. So what does this have to do with autism employment? Well, in fact, this self-determination theory has never been tested in people with autism. So I'm going to admit that this whole thing could be total BS and totally unsubstantiated, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. I don't think it's possible for anyone to have it all, intrinsic and extrinsic job satisfaction all the time, every day. It's a balancing act. I think it's fair to say that in the same way there's a continuum between intrinsic and extrinsic incentives, we need to be on a balance. What do we judge to be more important? What is our choice? Do we take less money to have more intrinsic rewards or we just suck it up because money and benefits are good for us? For those that are able to make these choices, they should be fully aware of what they're getting into. And this is what they can expect from both intrinsic and extrinsic motivators. 
Now, these are all ideas in the self-determination of motivation theory, unsubstantiated theories, but it's worth noting that solving one problem in employment in autistic adults is a bit like whack-a-mole. Another might pop up in its place. The issue of employment with autism cannot be solved by just one approach, and it certainly will be variable from person to person. With all we know about differences across the spectrum, do you find that at all surprising? Thank you for listening this week, and I will talk to you next week.